Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Jim Heininger, the founder of The Rebranding Experts. So we're talking rebranding and when you need to do it. Thanks for downloading. This is a fascinating chat all about branding and rebranding and kind of when you should do it and how you should go about it. I spent some time with Jim Heininger, the founder of the Rebranding Experts, who's worked with the likes of P&G and McDonald's and that. Uh, He offers up a huge amount of insight on the rebranding process, plus great tips on how to put together those dreaded branding guidelines, which we all absolutely hate, don't we? Uh, You can find Jim on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter, uh, head over to the website as well at rebrandingexperts.com. All the links are in the show notes, so give them a quick tap. Uh, can I quickly mention Not Another Marketing Podcast is ad-free. Love it if you could give the pod a shout on social media. Subscribe on your favourite podcast app. Uh, you can check out more podcasts, more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Jim was to kind of define what branding actually means. So we like to simply define a brand as a promise delivered and believed. Oh, I like that. And and really to, you know, the longer definition of it would be that that a, a brand is that set of expectations and kind of experiences and the promise and the um, relationship and the stories and the memories and everything that all taken together and in a customer's mind account for how they make a decision mm. on what product that they're, that they're going to purchase. So a good brand should be a shortcut for people to make the decision to buy your product. And would I be right in saying there's, there's kind of like a bit of emotion involved in this? A lot of emotion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, there needs to be a, a you know a, a, a meaning to it, um, something that is relevant yeah. to that customer, and that really um, moves you to the top of the list of considerations when they're going to purchase a product in your particular category. Do you think when folks struggle a lot with with branding in 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 the sense it's because they look at a business as an entity, maybe like a spreadsheet? It's a a building, a thing. It's a company. You know, it's a, a legal thing, uh, and it's and and they take all of the emotion out of it, don't they? Very much so, or they or they don't bring it into yeah. the equation. Yeah, that they uh, and that's a lot of what we we do when we're working with an organization on on building a new brand for them is diving into that emotional part of it. What is the promise? What is the reason for being? What is it their aspirations are for the future? Because we want to create a brand which is very forward-facing at the end of the day. Do you find a lot of companies have already got that worked out in their head when you actually go to them if they're creating a brand new brand? Or, or, do, you, or do you kind of like find that people just say, well, I have this great idea, I just want to sell it? Um, you know, in most cases, and you know, if, if you're a large organization with a huge marketing mm. team and staff that is constantly thinking about the branding and, and how it's touching customers and, and, and how to improve upon it, They've got it taken care of, but for the majority of companies that are a little bit smaller size, they don't have that resource internally. They don't have that kind of knowledge set or experience set, and so they may think that their brand is just their logo or their yeah. name or just the, the you know the what their website looks like, 
and don't realize that it needs the emotional piece to really drive action out of their customers. Yeah, I suppose slightly off topic. I mean, what do you think of personal branding? Because there's a heck of a lot. I mean, I'm I'm a I just think it's a waste of time. I, I I'm not a huge believer. I think if you're a if you need to be a personal brand, you should just be yourself and try and be nice. <laughs> well, and I, and I think the difference may be is a personal brand would suggest that you are proactively trying to deliver against a goal yeah. that you're that you've established for yourself. So so you're you're out there constantly looking for opportunities to tell that story to you know make it relevant to to whoever your audience is. So it's rather than just being yourself it's proactively being yourself yeah. is really what a personal Yeah, I, I read a lot of the the kind of like the made up jobs on on LinkedIn where they do all the personal branding thing and it's kind of like they get you to write down the type of person you you want to be perceived as. And I think to myself well all you're doing then is you're acting and you're trying to be somebody else. And that's that must be exhausting if you're doing that 24 hours <laughs> Very a day. Fair. Yeah, so yeah, not anyway. That's another topic for another day I think. Um so if you're a business, if you're a company, you're into rebranding, why should a company rebrand? What are the main reasons? So we we put the reasons in a couple different buckets. And the first is need, mm. that something has happened that they need to rebrand. And then the second one is opportunity, that they are wanting to do something differently so that they can create a, 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 an updated, more forward-facing brand um, and take advantage of that. So under the need bucket, you know, the biggest driver of rebranding is mergers and acquisitions. Right, of course. There's a, there's a decision that has to be made about what the brand's going to be for this new entity. Could be a leadership change. You occasionally see that. Or, or the fact that the brand just is no longer relevant. It's past its maturity. Um, it's run out of steam. And that it just no longer reflects the work that you are doing today or the products or services that you are offering your customers. So those are kind of the need side of things. Um, and then it could be that there are changes in the marketplace and you are needing to proactively respond to how you're putting yourself out there so that you can keep up with those changes. Perhaps you have a meaningful corporate change that you're going to be instituting and you know or introducing a new product line or new service line. And you realize that original brand just doesn't cover what you're wanting to present and so you have an opportunity to rebrand and be able to go out with a new you know a new face to the to the public uh, do you find like with mergers and things like that you, you tend to kind of like bring little bits of both companies together in the rebanding or, or does one tend to kind of take over the other one a little bit uh great question and um, and that is one of the areas where there there is a little bit more research that has been mm. conducted both academic and 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 some um some other uh, research organizations on what works best in mergers and acquisitions yeah. you tend to see the following if if it is a a very um, you know, a large player gobbling up a smaller player. Well, then, yeah. yes, you would you would keep with the you know the primary brand of the of the acquirer. If they're fairly equal in terms of their um, their name awareness and recognition and and um, uh, understanding out in the marketplace, you're seeing those kind of um, mergers or acquisitions blending the two names or fusing them together. So you've got Exxon Mobil, for sure. example, which yeah. was the the two, you know, uh, petroleum yeah. companies that merged and kept both the names. Um, 
uh, we've got um, increasingly in the entertainment industry where you've got like Pixar was gobbled up by sure. Disney. Well, they Pixar was such a valuable name and brand out there that they merged them together. So now they show that as Disney Pixar um, whenever they're out promoting the company. So if they're fairly equal, putting both names together is, is increasingly yeah. common. Do you find much conflict? Because I would imagine within the marketing teams particularly, there's been an awful lot of effort and an awful lot of time spent on developing these brands. And somebody comes in and says, you know, you're going to lose that. It, you know, it, and that plays a lot to the emotional yeah. side of, of rebranding. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, people have, have spent their careers perhaps you know, building and reinforcing a brand of the company that they're working with. And all of a sudden that is going to be merging into or disappearing because of, a, of a, an acquisition. And you don't want those people to be discouraged or feel a sense of loss. And so bringing them in and really, you know, through a lot of change management kind of mm -hmm. techniques, making sure that they are engaged in the future is really, really important because otherwise you're going to find them not having that sense of loyalty or having that sense of commitment to making that new brand work as hard as they did uh, with the old yeah. one. I suppose one of the reasons for rebranding is that something's gone horribly wrong in the past. Uh, does rebranding actually help you cover up past disasters, do you think? Great question. And, and you know, what's happened in recent years is the public is quicker to call it out if a company tries to do that. It used to be you could kind of get away with that, yeah. that if there were, let's, you know, like an airline and they happened to have a, um, a crash that was, you know, became widely covered in the news and everyone knew it, you might find them merging with another airline and getting rid of the, the, the brand name, which, you know, had the tarnish of the, of the accident. Yeah. You know, what you're seeing, like, and I'll use the, the, the Facebook meta example mm. um, here is, you know, because because Facebook really brought rebranding mainstream when they introduced the meta corporate sure. brand name last fall because it, it really it was so widely covered and so many users of Facebook that all of a sudden everybody realized what a rebranding really is when they saw Facebook go through the process. You know, Facebook carries a lot of baggage yeah. with it, you know, especially in the U.S. here where there's just all sorts of legislative discussion about how to limit some of its its um, abilities as well as safety concerns and so forth. They needed a new brand to introduce all these virtual reality-based products and services that they're wanting to go into. And they, if they were to change Facebook, they would have been criticized. Yeah. For people for you know for for trying to pull the wool over their eyes so what they did was created a new corporate brand name meta and put all those new future facing um, business ventures under that name so that that it was kind of uncluttered yeah. and untarnished and they could go out and pursue those without as much trouble in their in their path and they left facebook to kind of deal with its own issues as a brand um, which I think the public was a little bit more accepting of because they said, you know, if, if we want improvements out of Facebook, let's continue to deal with that brand, go off and do your new universe stuff, you know, as, as meta and good luck to you. But we're focused on dealing with the performance of this particular yeah. brand. So it was a, it was a pretty strategic route that they took there 
um, and I think you know allowed them to leave the baggage behind on Facebook and do very interesting creative stuff with yeah, that. Yeah, it, it kind of like, I suppose, it hides all the subsidiaries from the badly behaving mother or father or something, doesn't it? <laughs> to do way. that, yeah. I suppose one of the jobs you have to do in branding is to come up with, I suppose, those those god-awful things we hate is branding guidelines and, and, and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me I'm wrong. Okay. Branding guidelines, do they restrict creativity? If done poorly, mm. yes. <laughs> we we like to think of, of gui- uh, brand guidelines as really being guardrails. Yeah. So opening up a center path that say, you know, to be true to our brand, we can't go past these guardrails, but everything that's in between is open for discussion and open for yeah. development and, and let your creativity run wild. So it, it really depends upon how they are uh, created and administered within an organization, I think, uh, um, as to whether it's stifles creativity. Do you think they need to be a bit more fluid? Because, I mean, I've worked with, with folks over the over the past 20-odd years and that where you know, the logo's got to be that big and it just won't fit into what you're trying to do. Right. They have to be. Yeah. 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 You know, because new things are coming up every day and new decisions have to be made every day. So hopefully it gives you a a sense of a framework with which to make those decisions. Yeah. You know, um, as they are. Yeah, because with with the web becoming more popular, when we're talking back, I remember like going back maybe 15 years ago, something like that, or even even longer. Um, a lot of folks with big portrait style logos, it just wouldn't work on a web page because it'd be the top half of the web page would be so big. And and yeah. the gu- guideline said we can't change this this logo at all. So you don't believe in that that extreme? It, you can't, yeah. you know, because if if it if it require something to be presented in yeah. a way that's probably more confusing or disrupting than what good yeah, is it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I suppose um, rebranding can go wrong. Have you got any examples of, of when it does go wrong and, and what maybe what they could have done? You know, there are there there are aspects of the rebranding process that when some organizations implement it don't go as they intended it yeah. to. Um, and that's not to say that the whole rebranding wasn't successful, but there's something that sometimes gets, you know, drawn out into the public eye and discussion and so forth and, and then then criticized. Um, you know, I know there was a lot of um, uh, discussion of a, I think it's an investment firm in the UK, uh, Aberdeen, mm. that did a rebranding and they wanted a much more modern contemporary look for the for the the brand to go forward with and they dropped all the vowels out of the word Aberdeen and and they achieved what they wanted which was a more modern presentation of their name but it I think in a very conservative industry it was a little perhaps too far out there and I think got a lot of criticism now they're standing by it they should Everyone will adjust, everyone will get used to it, and they'll move on, and they're, you know, not going to spend their time criticizing it anymore. But um, it, 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 some, you know, it, it doesn't create a, a frictionless rebranding, yeah. a kind of one that's a little bumpier than others. Um, the other thing, too, which is increasingly problematic in the, um, uh, in the U.S. is when you, when you rebrand and you come up with a new brand you if you're a national organization doing business on a national basis you need to have a trademark yeah and um sometimes organizations are a little too quick to 
uh, go out and announce a new brand without fully investigating all the current uses of that name. So you've got a baseball team, the Cleveland Indians yep. uh, here, who wanted to drop that name because it had a lot of racist historical baggage and they just came up with a new name, Guardians. Yeah. And it ends up that there was another semi-pro professional team in Cleveland that used that right. name already. Right. Well, they should have known that. Yeah. They should have done their research and they should have known that. And so it drew a lot of criticism and I'm sure it cost them a lot of dollars to settle out of court on the usage of that brand name. So they, you know, the, the, the overall brand didn't, you know, wasn't a disaster, went wrong, but there was certainly a hiccup in examples like that, that, that could have been avoided. How easy is it to do that research and kind of find out if, if what you're doing is actually original? Um, it, there's a lot of databases you have to mm. tap into uh, to, to see what's currently trademarked. A lot of, you know, even just heavy-duty Google searching, yeah. you know, of every single usage of that name that might already be out there. And we like to say to, to clients, there's virtually no name that has not been adopted by someone. Um, you know, every, every word in the English language has been used yeah. in the name of a business. Now, is that business large? Is it operating on a national basis? Did they trademark it? Do they have common law protection is another uh, aspect to it. And, and so you just really need to dive into it and make sure that it's as, as clean as possible so that when you file a trademark application, it's going to get approved. Yeah, do you think that's why we see a lot of made-up names nowadays, particularly with all the internet startups and that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. Nobody... It's a it's a way to circumvent that process, especially because what what we're experiencing right now is that they are backlogged at the U.S. Patent Trademark Office um, on processing applications. So what used to take three to four months is now taking a year. Right. Well, any CEO that is investing in a rebranding of their organization doesn't have the patience <laughs> to wait no. a full year, and so they want to get going. So the the way to circumvent that, that is to create a name, um, you know, coin your own term that is going to be much less likely to be owned by anybody yeah. else. So, so if I was going to rebrand my business, I don't know, we've had a merger or I've I've told everybody all my stuff's really cheap and nasty and horrible <laughs> <laughs> and I need to rebrand quickly. Um, what, are the, what are the most important things we should kind of like consider right from the beginning? Our very first um, uh, encouragement is don't miss the opportunity. Mm. So, so do take the time to really evaluate your business, what your strategic growth plans are, where you're wanting to go in the future, and create and stand up a new brand that reflects that. Um, because you shouldn't be rebranding again. You shouldn't be doing it more than once. Right. If you're going to rename the company, that's not something that's not something you're going to want to do very often. So do it right the first time and really dive deep and make sure that it, you're coming out with a, a, an expression and articulation of who you are to customers and the value that you bring to them. And then the other, you know, so then you go about building out the brand and the. Um, uh, you know, all the elements of it from the promise to the new purpose for the organization, to a new company name, to um, the brand story, to the taglines, to the visual identity, the new customer experience and everything. What's really, really important is in the implementation of a rebrand is the engagement of your workforce behind yeah. it. 
um, because they're the ones that have to deliver this new brand. It's not just the marketing department's responsibility. Sure. It's the individual experiences that customers have with people that work at the company. And they have to know and understand and appreciate it. They have to be super excited and energetic about it. And they have to have the tools necessary to be able to tell the brand story consistently and confidently um, to every customer that they may come into, uh, into contact with. So we, we spent a lot of time in the implementation of the rebrand to make sure that using a lot of change management kind mm -hmm. of techniques, that the employees are engaged, that they get it, that they're going to represent it before you ever go out and tell your customers your new brand. Because the minute you announce it, people are expecting something different. Yeah, of course. And if, they, if we don't deliver on that different expectation on day one, then it's just a, then it's just lipstick on yeah. a pick. Then it's just yeah. a you know a, a new name, a new coat of paint on the company, and that's not the intended effect that people. Uh, want. I suppose that's where having a decent internal marketing strategy helps an awful lot as well, isn't it? You have yeah. to, yeah, yeah, and so actually spend some time and effort actually marketing to your team. I suppose at the end of the day, yeah, internal marketing, yeah, as well as it's you know it's an it's an opportunity. You know, with the marketing, you know, we'll, 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 we'll spend time before the launch to say, what all do we need to be able to convey this new story out to customers in, mm. in a new and fresh way? And so everything needs to be different, you know, from the language, from the call to actions that you're, you know, you're trying to, um, to, to share with customers, to the imagery to, you know, everything has to new, look new and different so that they understand how you're embracing us for your future. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff. I could um, talk about ages on this. I'm fascinated by the psychology of it all and, and how you try and help your customers and your clients and that think differently about, about your company, about your brand and that. Um, what, it can be an anxious process. There's, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. And that's one of the things that are years of experience doing rebrandings over and over again is we know kind of the emotional journey that our clients go through in this rebranding process. We know when they get excited, what they're going to get excited about and what they're going to get down about and what's going to, you know, uh, get them confused or frustrated and so forth. And so holding their hands and leading them through that process and, and kind of saying to them, now this, this part of it's going to be a little tedious or this part's going to be a little frustrating for you but realize what the outcome is yeah. going to be just helps them i think you know have that kind of trusted advisor that's that's walking them through yeah it. i mean where do you sit with refreshes brand refreshes because that's more of the lipstick on the pig sort of thing isn't it it's it's changing the lipstick i suppose a little bit but where do you see that because i hear a lot of folks talking about wanting to refresh the brand every year or every couple of years yeah, we, we break it down into into three different levels. So you can refresh your brand, which is usually a visual identity yeah. change. Um, logo, color palette, typography, and so forth, imagery that you use. You can reposition the brand, which you usually would do when you're trying to sell to a new customer segment sure. that you haven't in the past. And the way you're presenting yourself today isn't going to work with that new customer segment. So you need to reposition it and that probably includes a refresh you know a, a new look to your packaging or whatever it may be a rebrand as we define it is is the wholesale standing up of a new brand so it's mm -hmm. 
It's creating, you know, from the bottom up, a new promise to customers, a new name for the company yeah. or, or for the product, um, you know, and then everything that goes with that, um, that you then launch out into the marketplace. So it's the wholesale, um, you know, kind of repositioning of it. And I, I always think of it, you know, rebrand will re the, the prefix re means to renew. Sure. So you're renewing your brand, which means you're starting it all over. Again. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're building on the equities that you've established over the years, but you're really starting out, starting it over again and, and relaunching it in a new yeah. way. Fascinating. Brilliant. Jim, um, where can we find you? Where is your website? And I bet it's lovely branding on your website, isn't there? <laughs> it's an easy one. It's just rebrandingexperts.com. And uh, same thing on social, uh, rebranding experts, except for Twitter, which is at rebrand experts. Fantastic, Jim. Thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Great to be with you. Thanks again to Jim for his time. Now, don't forget to check out the links in the show notes. If you've enjoyed the episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.